1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing
0: Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast.
3: All right, folks, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I am joined today by my co host, Dylan Ray. And we also have with us from Australia. Ben Solaris. Ben, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Jason and Dylan. Nice yeah. to, nice to uh, touch base. Oh,
3: man. What time is it down? It's, let's see. It's noon where I'm at. Where is it where you're at?
1: It's 6 10 a.m. in the morning. Six, yeah.
3: Okay. So, and you're probably 18 hours off, I'll bet, instead of six. It's it's a long ways away. That that we do
1: know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much as far as you can get from where you are. Yeah. It's not too many yeah. places that are further away. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so for our listeners that that maybe haven't heard of Ben, Ben is a 30-year plus bow hunter from Australia and actually is one of the directors for trophy takers down there, which is Ben as I understand it. That's that's a, a measuring organization based somewhat off of the Pope and Young
1: Club. That's exactly right. Yeah, so our our primary purpose is to is to act as a big game uh, recording um, service, um, rating and recording service. So we've been active since uh, since the mid '80s. Uh, the club the club came to fruition in the mid '80s, and it's a bow hunting only. We appreciate um, that membership. The the membership changes sort of each year in terms of numbers. Um, but uh, yeah we're, we're we're a strong club, strong following, and um yeah, very, very much modeled off of Pope and Young's original model, yeah.
3: Outstanding. And so, so you're pretty familiar with Pope and Young men?
1: A little. Um, we we sort of um, yeah, we, we, we I guess we read a lot and we we hear a lot and, and we know it just just naturally we 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 learn a lot about um, the us bow hunting scene just just because of where we are Australia's connection with the us is is very strong in a lot of ways yeah um and particularly when it comes to bow hunting so we're we're very influenced by obviously um the u s bow hunting scene from from gear and equipment bows arrows broadheads um, everything we really everything we use generally comes from from the us there's there's some exceptions to that but yeah we're very we're very aware of of what's happening in the u s and i guess our bow hunting scene has probably just sort of shadowed the u s scene over the last five decades you know five or six decades it's very much been yeah very very uh influenced by everything that's happened in the u s over time in in the bow hunting scene
3: outstanding well we are just uh this January, we will be in our 60th anniversary for Pope and Young. So we are looking forward to celebrating, doing some celebrations this year. Excellent. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit, how many animals do you have? How many different species are in your guys' program?
1: Um, In Australia, um, we recognize under trophy takers, uh, it would be somewhere around 12 or 13 different species. Okay. Uh, I can run through them briefly, but... Just in terms of in terms of what we have available in Australia, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of classify them into the different family groups. But we have sec, uh, six recognized species of deer, so we've got six six species of deer, um, three bovines: the water buffalo, the bantang, and the scrub bull. Okay. We have um, the two what I would call bread and butter species are the wild goat and the wild boar. So they are the most I guess they would be the most hunted species. They're probably the most widespread and the most available. So the wild boar and the wild goat are very much, they're kind of like whitetail and elk for you guys, I guess. Gotcha. Uh, Okay. Then we have a variety of um, other introduced uh, feral species that that we are um, permitted to hunt and we do classify as game animals. So uh, some of those include the camel, um, and we also have wild horses, wild donkeys stuff like that so they are feral animals that legally can be hunted they're not okay. technically sort of a, a trophy species um so to speak um and then we have a variety of small games so wild dogs or dingoes depending on which uh which state you're in so um we have a massive issue with um with wild dogs in australia so they're 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 a measurable um game species and a bunch of other small games, so rabbits, hares, feral cats. Um, there's a little bit of boat fishing that, that happens as well, but they are the, the what I just mentioned. Yeah, they're the, they're our primary targets. Yeah, that's, okay, that's, that's where the focus is. Yeah, pigs, goats, the six species of deer, and those three bovines are the that's where most of our attention um, goes to. Yeah, they're our, you bet. They're our main now, targets. Yeah.
3: now of those, which one's your favorite to chase? It's
1: it's a good question. It, it's probably the answer is probably always going to be the wild boar. Um really? Okay. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of my mates and a lot of other Aussie bow hunters will probably give you the same answer. I think it's kind of something that we that we start on um, due to I guess access, ease of access a lot of the time, and um, wild boars are wild boars are much. Um, more stalkable, I guess, than, than most deer species. So your chances of getting a shot at a boar are are, are better than compared to deer and some of the other species. And I think the other attractive thing about them is that they fight back. So obviously I know you guys have wild boars in some, some parts of the U S. There's a, there's a certain adrenaline factor that comes with wild boars. Um, You you know exactly what they can do to you when you, when you stalk them and when you decide to take a shot at them. Uh, And I think that adds a, that, that just adds a special sort of um, adrenaline factor, I guess, to to hunting that species. And there's something very primal about wild boars. I'm not sure if, if you guys have, have, have hunted them much, but there's just something there's something that there's a fire that really ignites inside when I'm when I'm 20 metres away from a wild boar and about to about to hit him with an arrow. Um, there's something very primal and yeah, that, that goes back a long way um, for all of our all of our ancestors would have hunted wild boars in one way or another in in our past you know so there's there's something there's a very deep connection there to wild boars so i'd say that'd be my favorite yeah
3: okay and are are they native for you guys or was that no. an introduced
1: species okay No mate so everything all the species i i mentioned before are all introduced we we can't legally hunt any native species whatsoever almost okay. without any exception whatsoever okay um the only exception to that would be, I guess, bow fishing, just, to, just like people do a little bit of bow fishing for, for sharks and stingrays and fish. But other than that, all of our land mammals, so all the big game animals that we hunt and small game are all feral animals that are introduced. Okay. Um, they all have um, some level of environmental impact and economic impact on on agriculture and um, they're all pests, so they they while in some cases they are, um, in some jurisdictions, they are classed as a game species and are managed in a particular way and regulated in a particular way in other jurisdictions and other states, they're just simply classified as a pest. And by law, um, by law, if you're a landowner, for example, if you're a farmer or a cattle rancher and you have that species on your property, you're, you are by law obliged to control that species. Okay. So it, so it so it varies between states, but but the only thing that doesn't change is that every yeah every animal that we hunt in this country is introduced. They are all introduced. Interesting. Animals. Okay, yeah.
3: that's good. And so have of the uh, of the species on your list, how many have you personally taken?
1: Um, I've taken all of the species in Australia. Um, okay. Yeah, there, there's none. The only animal I haven't taken technically is a wild donkey, and I don't really plan to. Um I ju- it's just not uh it's just not something that interests me. I could have in the past, yeah. but I just I just haven't um uh they just don't really um interest me that much. But um yeah all of the all of the species I've taken yeah and it's 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 it takes a fair bit of work to get around the country and to and to uh just to get an opportunity at some of those species is pretty is pretty difficult. Um so yeah it's taken it's taken a fair bit of work to yeah to get to, I guess, to take those species. Yeah.
3: Okay. And so what was of, of those, which one was the most difficult or the, the, what's the best story or the best, the best, most memorable one that you have?
1: That's a, that's a great question. Um, The most memorable um, it's a, it's a really tough question because it's just, yeah, there's so many different stories and so many, so many awesome moments. I took a hog deer um, back in two thousand. That would probably be one of the one of the most special, and I'll tell you that story. Hog deer are probably the most difficult species to actually get access to in, in okay. Australia, especially um, right from um, Pakistan, India, the subcontinent. That kind of um, that part of the world. They're closely related to axis deer. So you guys call um, what you guys know as axis deer. We actually call okay. them shield deer. C H I T A L. We actually use a different. Um, different term but hog deer are closely related to um to axis deer they're they're a lot smaller they're quite uh, stocky and and quite short a very small um a very small sort of size deer they live in a very specific um range in the state of victoria which is the very southeastern corner of australia and they only live in a very kind of um thin coastal fringe along along a section of coastline in victoria and they've been there for a long time it's I think it's well over a hundred years now that they've been living there wild. Um, but they're probably the most regulated species in Australia because there is actually a season. They're the only species in Australia where there's a actual regulated season. So okay. every, every other species, it's a, it's a free for all throughout the entire year. And I know that's hard for you guys to, to, yeah. uh, to sort of, to sort of um, grasp sometimes because you're so dictated by, by seasons, but we, we aren't, um, but hog deer is, is one that has an actual season. And in 2012, I hunted them for the first time. I went on a guided hunt. It was one species where, um, getting access was, was, um, it's virtually impossible. You've got to be extremely lucky to get access on, on private land. Um, and I really wanted to hunt hog deer. I was, I was so obsessed with the idea of, of hunting them. So I decided to do a guided hunt in 2012 and, um, Shot a really nice stag. Had to work pretty hard, but um, shot a nice representative. Um, and I just loved that hunt so much, and got so obsessed with those deer. Um, they just had me absolutely spellbound. They're just a, they're just such an interesting little deer. And I had to go back, so I went back two years later. I rebooked and went back two years later, and um, hunted my ass off and and got a shot at an absolute giant. And he's he's still the number one in trophy takers.
3: Oh, outstanding. Um,
1: yeah, he's a, he's, he's the number one, um, um, hog deer that's, that's been shot with a bow. And, um, that it was just a crazy stalk. Like I, 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 I can clearly remember every moment of that stalk. It was one of those very unlikely stalks where there were a thousand things that should have gone wrong. And I was dodging kangaroos and foxes and other deer. And, and it was just, it was just, and literally I was in quite short grass. So I had to I belly crawled for probably 300 meters to get the shot and, um, pulled off a really perfect shot just at the last moment, just as, just as he was about to, um, run, I pulled a great shot at about 45 yards and yeah, it was a perfect shot and he went down in sight. So that was a really cool moment that was, um, and they're hard to get, you know, like it was a, not many hog deer get hunted with a bow each year. Um, and they they're very difficult to obtain and yeah that was a that's probably one of my most memorable moments in this country yeah wow congratulations
3: Thanks, hey Wayne. hey dylan uh let's let's mark this down sounds like we've got another world record holder here yes. on the pope and young podcast We do. <laughs> and and ben I, I do have to admit i think you're the first person on our podcast to, to have to dodge kangaroos on one of our hunting stories it's so it,
1: it is a major problem mate and you'll only you'll only realize how big a problem that is when you come here because we all face that challenge pretty much any part of the country you're hunting in, you've got to dodge kangaroos and wallabies. And they are the masters of 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 destroying your stalk. They huh. know exactly which way to run or which way to hop. Um, and they'll always hop towards the deer. And they know how to they they actually a lot of the a lot of the macropod species uh, hit their feet really hard on the ground. So they actually try right. to warn other animals. So they make this loud thumping sound as they as they run or as they hop. So it's, it's just a, it's just something we've got to deal with here. Um, kangaroos, are yeah, they're, they, they can be a real pain a lot of the time when you're hunting.
2: Yeah. Jason, I can already tell you that Australia is on my list to go hunt now. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, you know, it wasn't
3: yesterday or at least a hey, month ago, right. but after talking to Ben a little bit, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this is kind of water Buffalo and all these deer yes. and, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't know about a camel, that sounds a little bit interesting. So What's
2: what's the best what's the best tasting wild game to you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Dylan. I um my favorite personally is actually the roe deer. Um some people would agree with me and others wouldn't. A lot of people tend to go towards the axis deer. A lot of people rate the axis or the chital deer as the as the best eating venison. Um uh, but I prefer Rusa. I guess Rusa is a is a little Closer to beef, I would say, in its in its flavour and texture. Um, and the good thing about rooster is, I'm not ex- I'm not exactly sure what the what the scientific reasons are, but even in the middle of the rut, if you shoot a if you shoot a stag that's that's rutting heavily, uh, they still taste amazing. Whereas some other species um, like red deer and, and fallow deer um mature males just don't taste so great during the rut but rooster deer always do even a fully rutted out rooster stag uh tastes absolutely awesome and they're quite a big animal you get a lot of meat off them and um that'd be my favorite yeah
2: see that's what axis deer is my favorite wild game that i've i've got to eat yet um so so that's why i asked
1: yeah uh, no, well you, you'll have to come and try some rooster um
2: um sign me up my friend Sign <laughs> yeah up. yeah
1: I, I don't and I don't trust
3: his judgment, so I'll have to come along just to verify. Yes. Independent independent Sounds fact good. checker, just like Facebook. <laughs> um, I, I think my favorite, I mean it's hard. I, I live on elk and, and venison, but man, I'll tell you what, there was something um I was in Botswana and we had an Elon there that was just phenomenal that was probably the best i've ever had was yeah.
2: now i'll tell you one yeah. meat you mentioned wild hogs um which uh you know a, a javelina doesn't even it's not even in the same family oh they, right. uh, they look a lot alike but uh you know i when i went to south texas i had heard don't even eat javelina and i'm like well if i shoot it i'm gonna at least try it and uh it blew me away delicious i mean i loved it
1: yeah well one of my favorite I often tell people my favorite meat that I've ever tasted in the world was warthog in in South Africa. I I ju- and you don't hear people talking about warthog meat very much. No. I just I couldn't believe how good that was. It it was just yeah, it was it was probably one of the tastiest meats I've ever I've ever tried and it's really interesting how every single species um has a different taste to it. It it has a different slightly different texture, slightly different flavor. Every there's and there's no two the same. You you look at all the different antelopes in south in, or sorry in, in across africa and you look at all of, all the deer of the world and everything has a slightly different taste doesn't it they're all they're all a little bit different to each yeah. other
3: yeah i have a good friend he and he and his wife went to africa and they everything they they got while they were there they tried and her favorite of the entire trip was zebra she wow. said that, that was the best meat she's ever had and yeah. you know
2: it's amazing to me when it's also my pet peeve when somebody says i don't like wild game and i i mean that's like saying i mean if you've had venison then you can say you don't like venison but you can't say i don't like wild game just because you didn't like venison because everything tastes different so you can't just say well it's got a gamey taste no it doesn't have a gamey taste it tastes like deer i mean that's just that's that's the taste of the animal
3: some people just can't get it out of their head they're just like oh it's wild game it it has to be gamey well It's not. I mean,
1: that's right. It's in their heads, isn't it? It's not necessarily, it's not actually sort of, um, it's not really science based. It's just, it's just a cultural thing. And we've, we've drifted so far so quickly from where we were um, a few hundred years ago. Um, No matter where you are in the world. um, Yeah. We've just drifted so far from what was, from what was normal for thousands of generations to what we are right now in 2020. It's, we've changed very, very quickly so um yeah like 200 years ago if someone said i don't like wild game can you imagine how much that sort of get laughed you know? at and ostracized like yeah you wouldn't say that would you 200 years ago
3: no, no you wouldn't it not unless you're
1: really well
3: if you did you'd be really skinny
1: yeah that's right and you yeah you probably wouldn't be a part of the clan anymore you, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i uh,
2: i told somebody one time i said if you can go around saying you don't like wild game that means i can go around saying oh it just tastes a little store bought, you know, it just tastes like it came from a <laughs> yeah, grocery. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and and I'm sure you find that. I, I definitely find that, especially with pork. I, I will I would never buy pork from a from a supermarket or even a butcher in Australia because I'm so used to wild pork. I, I can't eat that stuff from a supermarket. I I just can't. I physically just don't want it. I, I don't like the taste of it and I won't buy it because I'm yeah, used to what I know what real pork tastes like now.
3: See, that's my my family's that way for, with tuna. They can't eat like tuna from a can because it wasn't, we go out, we catch our own albacore and we can it and, and it's fresh. And, and so it's the same type of thing. I think once you get used to a certain level and have a certain expectation for flavor and, and texture, it's hard to go back to, to the store-bought stuff or
1: exactly, exactly right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So Ben, tell us a little bit about what, what are some of your other exploits across the world? Where else have you had the privilege of hunting?
1: Um, I, I've probably, yeah, I haven't done an accurate count recently, but yeah, I've hunted in about 13 or 14 countries now, um, with the bow, um, across Europe, various countries in Europe, um, I've hunted Turkey, uh, Kyrgyzstan, um, only been to South Africa once. So I've only done one trip to Africa so far, but I'm sure I'll be, I'm sure I'll be back there. I've hunted Canada a few times. Um, the U S only really, uh, twice or three times, just a few times, um, Argentina did a trip to Argentina, which was a really, really interesting, um, adventure over there. But yeah, I've been to a lot of, I've been to probably, um, yeah, I guess the majority of countries where bow hunting is a thing, um, or where it is, where it's legal and, and where there's a, where there's, um, where there's opportunities to bow hunt. There's still a few countries um, that I haven't been to that I plan to. Russia, Russia is very high on the list. You probably they just opened up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I actually, I actually helped them with that. Um, Yeah, just in terms of creating some um, content to show to the Russian Parliament. Um, And yeah, it was that's very exciting for me. Russia, Russia is such a massive landmass, and there is there's such a huge range of species there um, that many of them can't be hunted anywhere else but there's just yeah. so much opportunity there and it's very affordable and um i can't wait to go there i'm planning to go there at the end of next year late next year for the first um first trip but yeah i i have been very lucky mate to 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 um to to get around and, and check a lot of places out um i've lived a lot of my dreams already and a lot of dreams that i when i was a young bow hunter or even at high school kind of thing i didn't think I I kind of didn't dare to imagine that a lot of this stuff would ever happen. And, and, and what's transpired in the last 20 years, I never would have imagined. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just happened organically. And, um, I, I just, I just seem to once I have a goal in my mind, I, I, I can't help but act on it. And that's pretty much, that's just pretty much how my hunting works. I, I, I just, I get really, excited about and very interested in, um, different species and and different places, different cultures. And, um, I just love, I love that. Um, I love going over to, to, to wild places and experiencing completely new people, new places, new things, new cultures, and, and hunting animals that I've never seen before. You know, like I I just love it. I live for it. That's what I live for. You mentioned, um,
2: you mentioned, uh, Russia being affordable. Um, what what's the cost look like to hunt in Australia?
1: Australia's is quite affordable, mate. Um, in comparison to what I would call similar destinations, so I'd I'd class Argentina as a fairly similar um, option. So Argentina, um, the majority of the species they hunt down there are, are also introduced. Um, so they do hunt. They do hunt a couple of native species there, but very few. Um, Comparative to Argentina, uh, hunts in Australia would probably be still would still come in a little bit less, a little bit a little bit cheaper. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great outfitters in Australia, so so it's it's quite easy to um, to do some research and talk to the right people and and select a, a good outfitter for the species that you that you're wanting to hunt in Australia. Um, but I think one thing that would a lot of listeners would be probably. Um, quite interested to find out about is that there's a lot of Aussies are very very welcoming and very accommodating to anyone who shows interest in what we have here or any hunter that shows interest. I've seen it many times in the past. There's been various uh, US hunters and and European hunters as well that have sort of come over here for a few months or a holiday or whatever, and they've sort of become – they've they've done a lot of hunting while they were here just by making contacts and just right. getting in touch with other bow owners and you'll find that people are very very accommodating and helpful so it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily have to be a case of going through an outfitter and paying paying sort of the maximum market rate for a hunt like you can you can organize stuff just with 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 locals on the ground particularly right. if you start talking about swaps and stuff like that so um a lot of people would find that that would be a really cool way to do it because absolutely. You'd really get the full local experience um, and yeah you'd really see things you'd, you'd really see the real the real side of Australian bow hunting rather than being led by a guide. but not to, I'm not discrediting guides are still a great option, particularly for yeah. things like buffalo. Um, if you're going to hunt a dangerous, a dangerous game animal like a buffalo or a bantang, I would def- definitely recommend going with a guide for those species, um, just to, just to, just from a safety viewpoint and, and having the right backup and probably getting into better areas, but for deer and wild pigs, if you wanted to come over here and if you were, if you're a normal kind of, um, I guess average bow hunter in, in the States without a huge, huge bank account and you can't afford to spend massive dollars on, on a hunt, it's not it's not that difficult to set something up and, and, and meet some guys and make contacts. And yeah, you'll find that people would be, will be very accommodating. If you want to just come and experience some crazy pig hunting or chase some wild goats or some fallow deer or um, something like that. Yeah. Quite, quite easy to organize easier than people would think. Yeah. Great. That's it.
3: You know, there's something nice, and not taking anything away from outfitters because they are, you know, those guys earn their money because the things that they do for you is, is fantastic. Absolutely. You know, the, the locations that they can get you on and the expertise they bring uh, things of that nature are, are wonderful. And we have a a number of partners we work with that are, that are world class, but there's also something nice about getting out there and doing it yourself. You know, you can put that trip, the trip together and and uh it's interesting as i've traveled and i I haven't i don't have the the travel resume that you have but as i've traveled around the world and it's it's amazing you get to hunt with somebody for a week or or 10 days and and the connections that you form just from being around them and sharing the stories that you have from the last 30 years and sharing the stories they they have from the last 30 years and and there's something that just brings you together and and forms those bonds. It's, that's pretty, pretty magical
1: thing. It's, it's magical. That's the word. And, and it's, it's something that you, you, you don't, if you, if you go to another country, if you visit another country as a tourist, say if you came over here with your family to visit Australia as a, as a standard tourist, you're going to see the same, you're going to, you're, you're, you're entering a tourism system and you're only going to, you're only going to be a part of that tourism system. You no matter how much you try and how much you think you're going to see stuff that's outside the the normal tourism, you're not. Yeah. You're going to see the same stuff as every other tourist. And be treated as a tourist and you're you don't you're not going to have the same opportunity to see the real Australia and and meet real Australians and 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 get those really sort of wild, raw experiences. Um and that's what hunting. That's what hunting brings. You know, when you yeah. when I go to another country, I'm not a I'm a tourist, but I'm not being treated as a tourist anymore, and I'm not part of that tourism system. I'm I'm going into some wild place where, yeah, there is no tourist, You know, like it's um, right. and you get to see the real deal. You see that you meet real people and and have real experiences and eat real food that they really eat, and and um, it's a totally different experience to going on. A normal standard holiday it's it's completely That's, different and i'd i'm very addicted to that whole process of 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 researching an area um having a having a particular species in mind and 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 sort of learning about that species and and um and then actually executing the plan you know getting there figuring it all out getting to understand the animal and 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 the people and working out how to a lot of these places you, you're not even speaking the same language so there's there's challenges like that you know like yeah but that whole process is, is what I'm addicted to. Yeah. I just, I just, I just live for that.
3: It's interesting. You mentioned that. And, and as you were talking, I had flashbacks to, uh, I took a trip with a friend of mine, Terry, um, who's been to Africa several times. And this was for my first trip over there. And he's, he does a lot of research and, and he likes big kudu. That's his thing. And so the last time he went, he had done some research and he found a place or he'd seen some photos online of these big kudu. And so he, he got on there and he started messaging people. And, hey, who's, who's this? Oh, somebody messaging back says, oh, that's my friend so-and-so. They're in Botswana. And, and we wound up uh, going to a place that was not a commercial hunting outfit. It was a like a family ranch. And they, we were the first Americans ever to be there. And he's telling me about how this works. And I'm like, okay, so you need, you need me to, wire you some, how much money? And he's like, yeah, this is our deposit. And I'm like, there's no website, there's no anything. It's, this could have gone horse real quick, but it didn't. And so we flew into South Africa. We did our all of our changeovers, stayed there. And then next morning, flew up to Mon, Botswana. And as we're getting off the plane, the whole time, I'm just thinking, man, I hope these guys show up. And then they did. And it was it was literally like you talked about. We were invited into their family for you know two weeks. And it was just yep. a phenomenal experience. And and it wasn't you know, it was, you know, mom did the cooking and dad did the driving, and And one of the boys was a you know did, did this part of the thing and and it was just a really neat experience a great family experience
1: yeah they're the most welcoming warm people in the world i think that i've come across yeah. so far um they're just it's just such a you, you just feel so at home don't you um, Yeah. anywhere i've been even though there's even though there's some some major issues down there and there's there's um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of issues uh, in society i guess and 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 there's some quite dangerous parts of south africa um, when you're in someone's home um i've never felt so welcome and and, and yeah. greeted by such warm people and and that was a real eye that was my first international trip was to was to south africa first international hunt and it was a real eye-opener um just just in terms of the people you know just the just the people let, let alone the hunting and and everything else but just the people alone was a was just um, was a very pleasant sort of experience. Um, yeah. yeah, hanging out with for South me. Africa. Yeah, for
3: me, I've I've never hunted South Africa, but when I was in in Bot's, it was, um, you know, the thing that was probably stood out the the most to me was well, I mean, it's just different than anywhere else you're going to go. But um, mm. one of the things is that you know I I hunt in the states with some guys who are pretty accomplished hunters. And when you go over there and you see the trackers in Africa, if if I take the best thirty people that I know for tracking game, and I add them all up, I don't think I mean those those trackers over there are just uh, it, it's a whole nother universe. It's you try to explain it and it's just, you know uh, it's like okay we're we're doing our best to track and we're following a <laughs> blood trail. Those guys they don't they they know which there's a herd of 40 animals and they know which one got hit just by the way things. That was probably one of the, one of the most impressive things to me is to watch those guys work. And it's a true, it's an art form that, that is just amazing to me. It's
1: mind boggling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's absolutely mind boggling um, that, 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 uh, that that skill is still so strong. Um, in a lot of, in a lot of those cultures over there, like it's, and it, I just hope it stays that way. I just hope that we never lose those types of, those types of skills. Like, because that's, that's, that kind of skill is, is almost becoming a relic.
3: Yeah. It's, and it's so impressive. It was just, yeah, that was one of the things that stuck with me. And, and the other one is I I got there and my pH told me, he says, all right. He says, now, you know, we have snakes here. So he says, it's very important. If you get tagged by a snake, he says, make sure you get a look at it. And I'm like, why would I care? <laughs> and he says, "Cuz," he says, "You need to know." He says, "If it's an adder, he says, you know, we'll save your life. You're gonna lose your leg." And uh, and but he said, "If it's a if it's a mamba, he says, you know, you're done. You got 40 minutes." Yeah. And I said, "Well, I, I said, okay. Well, I'll get a look at it." And I said, "If in the event that uh, that it's an adder, I said, get me to the hospital, which was probably two and a half hours away by dirt road." And I said, <laughs> "If a mamba gets me." Just just grab some extra ammo and drive me into the biggest herd of eland here. That's
1: <laughs> good way to go.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, so uh, here's somebody I've got to ask when, when you've been traveling to do your hunting, how did, you know, you talked about how people treat you across the world. How were you treated in the States? We're, we're...
1: Oh, I love bees. I love the states and and canada um okay. like i've i've only really hunted in the states i've only, i'm just trying to i'm just thinking but i've only really hunted in texas okay. so i think texas is a texas is so much like my home state it's like the, the the state that i grew up in and where i still live now is kind of like um yeah i guess it's a little bit like the australian texas kind of thing right. um i i I haven't been to, um, I've flown into different airports, but I haven't technically hunted in any other States except for Texas. I hunted whitetail down there and also, um, um, hunted, um, or dad with, uh, uh, two mates of mine that I met on a hunt in Canada uh, many years ago, back in 2013, I did a elk moose combo hunt in um, BC and happened to uh, share camp with, um, with two, um, a father and son team from um, Texas, Phil and Ken Halliday. And um, yeah, they invited me down to their ranch, and they had they had uh, free range um, Ordad Barbary sheep on their on their oh, ranch, yeah. and I went down and visited them twice, and had an absolute blast. They're the, some of the nicest people I've ever ever uh, had the privilege of meeting. But yeah, I feel I, I yeah we I find I, I feel very welcome um, in in the states when I'm there, and and similar similar to Canada. Um, yeah. There are places in the world where I haven't felt so welcome. Um, but certainly the U.S. and Canada, yeah, definitely, definitely not, not in that list, yeah. And Texas is just a blast. Like it's this, like for us, just for, for, for someone like me um, or any Australian hunter to go to a place like Texas and see how things are and how things work and how what's what's normal in Texas is just mind-boggling. It's just. It's a it's a it's an absolute blowout for us because we live in a we live in a totally different world over here when it comes to how guns are treated and how guns are um, perceived, um, how hunting's perceived. How we're, we're very hidden, you know, like we're we're not out, we're not in your face. We're not. we the, the, the average Australian doesn't have a clue what hunting is, let alone bow hunting. Um, it's a totally different. Um, culturally and culturally it's just it's it couldn't be more different so it's really refreshing going somewhere like texas and it's just a blast i i can't wait to go and visit my mates there again and just i don't even care if i hunt just to just to go and hang out um but there's certainly lots of I'd, i'd love to do a bit more hunting um in some of the western states i am building building points in a few states and i've got a few sort of plans in motion, um, to, I'd love to visit Montana. I've got some mates in Wyoming that I'd love to love to visit and hunt with. Um, so I'm certainly, I'll certainly be back there in the near future. Yeah.
2: Well, you definitely have, you definitely have an open invite to come to Kansas anytime you want, my friend.
1: Oh man. Same back at you. Whenever you, (laughs) whenever you, I've shot a white tail, I've shot one white tail. It wasn't a giant. It was a, it was not a, yeah, just a nice buck down in Texas, but I've always dreamed of hunting one of those Midwestern sort of, yeah those 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 I'm actually, real
2: i'm actually headed to, to texas on a whitetail hunt in january so i'm pretty excited about that
1: nice nice yeah man whenever you're ready if you if you want to um any species you want to hunt over here you can you'll yeah you just you just let me know when you're coming and we'll organize jason it you free
2: right. next week my friend
1: uh,
3: <laughs> well we, we've got that staff meeting that where do we fly in for the staff meeting ben is that yeah Yeah. no that's that's fantastic it's um every week we get to talk to people from from different parts and and you're our first australian guest and so it's it's so i'm excited i'm excited to hear
2: his piece of equipment he carries with him jason
3: i know is it time is it it time i think it is. all right dylan do the honors
2: all right so we like to ask each one of our guests what's one unique item that you always have with you when you're hunting not your classical you know arrows everybody's got arrows but what's the one thing you carry with you when you're hunting that that some people might not carry with them when they're hunting can't leave home without it
1: oh that's such a tough question um oh my god that's a that's a real tough one what's something unique that i don't leave home without um I can't think of anything that's particularly um, particularly unique in my kit. Um, uh, what's a good one? I just can't think of anything that's particularly unique. Um, there's really, yeah. I'm an ex. I'm an ex-smoker. Um, I used to smoke when I was younger, and I now use a uh, nicotine spray instead of like I don't chew. Chewing's not a big thing here. I'm not sure if either you guys have smoked or, or do, but. I um I now use a nicotine spray which is which is very quiet. There's no there's virtually no sound and no um there's no smoke or anything like that. So um it's a very quiet and efficient way of kind of avoiding chewing or cigarettes or anything like that. And I I find it works really well for me. Um I can't leave home without that. I hate to admit it, but and it, it works so so well when I'm hunting because there's just no um yeah, there's no scent, no sound, no it's it's a tiny little thing this big. So I—that's probably the one thing that is pretty unique to me, um, and yeah, I definitely really don't don't smoke cigarettes anymore. So um, yeah, it's worked well for me. But I can't think of anything else that's unique that um, that I that I can't leave home without. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a stump of that question. Yeah
3: yeah it's it's we've gotten some great answers so far so we've had <laughs> chapstick tylenol pm earplugs for sleeping in a cabin with a bunch of snoring people
1: see it's it's my mates that need to bring the earplugs not me it's there you it's, go I'm the, I'm the problem yeah yeah but, yeah i never else? wake
3: i never wake myself up snoring i don't see a problem yeah
1: same yeah i've never had an issue with that yeah yeah, yeah.
3: Well, that's great. Well, Ben, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Um, it's a pleasure having you on. Love, love to hear adventures from across the pond and beyond. And uh, we wish, wish you all the best of luck with Trophy Takers. And if people want to check it out and see what Australia has to offer, it's, I believe your website is trophytakers.org. Is that
1: the that's best? correct. Okay, yeah. great. And, yep. and uh, um, yeah, I encourage anyone to, anyone who's listening who who would like a bit of direction or a bit of help? Um, I, f- I encourage them to get in touch directly. If you want to, if you want to learn more about um, hunting in Australia or any of the specific species, or you want some help booking a hunt down here, um, or you just want to get in contact with some some other owners, just I, I encourage you to just get in touch directly. Um, feel free to share my contact details on the show notes or whatever, and yeah, feel free to if you if you want a bit of a bit of direction, feel free to get in touch. I'll definitely help you out.
3: Excellent. We appreciate that. And, and one of these times when you're scheduling a trip up to the States, don't forget we have our conventions and usually mid April. So look us up. We'd love to have you there. And absolutely some phenomenal wildlife displays and we don't have camels, but we've got everything, <laughs> everything for North America. So
1: I'll bring you one.
3: All right. Hey, Ben, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And, uh,
0: and have a great day down there. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. eh?